check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, an integrative palliative medicine physician. If you are a physician or other healthcare provider passionate about taking care of people with serious or chronic illness, you are in the right place. Our motto is whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. Welcome, integrative palliative people. Today, we're going to talk about how to counsel patients who are going to get chemotherapy. So they haven't started yet, but they come to you beforehand to say, is there anything that I can do to make this experience better than it would otherwise be? And there absolutely are things that you can do. So it's a great time to counsel patients who are going to get chemotherapy to get to them before they start. So what are the main side effects that we're trying to help them prevent? I would say that the main ones are, number one, of course, nausea, and they will get good medications for nausea, but we can do some good counseling about how to manage those medicines with nausea, plus there are some extra things they can do. We also want to help them prevent fatigue, or at least modify the amount of fatigue that they have. We want to talk to them about prevention tips for neuropathy, and that's neuropathy of their hands and feet, uh, but also They can get neuropathy of their mouth, which can cause change in taste and like a funny feeling in your mouth or food doesn't taste right, et cetera. And then, of course, there's a lot of stress involved in having cancer and getting chemotherapy and worrying about chemotherapy and managing the side effects of chemotherapy. So we want to talk to them about stress management. So first of all, let's talk about nausea. Probably the most important thing to teach people about nausea is that anticipatory nausea is a thing. So if they allow themselves to become very nauseous related to the chemotherapy, it will be harder to treat their nausea going forward. So there definitely are people who feel like, no, I don't need those medicines. I'll I'll tough it out until it gets so bad that I have to take something. It's one of the symptoms that you don't want to tough out and and deal with it only once it's severe because once you get anticipatory nausea, it's much harder to make it go away. So that's one that I counsel people in advance. Take the nausea medicines that they give you. So uh, many people are on, on, on Dancitron, Zofran, but there are certainly are others. But that is one that if they feel nauseous, they should take meds right away. And for some chemos and some people, that means taking it around the clock for part of the cycle. And that's perfectly fine for them to do that. So teach people about anticipatory nausea and that they want to make sure they don't allow themselves to get nauseous. If they can help it, they should take their meds. There also are some things that they can do to help prevent nausea. For example, there's the P6 acupressure point, which is a point on the wrist, two to three finger breaths underneath the crease of the wrist, right in the middle, and you can push with your thumb. And that stimulates this P6 acupressure point, which actually has documented evidence of decreasing nausea. It's why people use C-bands when they go on cruises, because it's pushing that point. And you can actually have patients get C-bands, which has basically a tight elastic with a plastic piece that pushes on that point. They can wear the bands, but then they can also push on the point, on, on the hard part of the band to get even more pressure, which can help relieve nausea. And I have had patients tell me that this makes a humongous difference in their nausea, which seems surprising, but I believe them. So that's something they can do. 
They also can talk to the people in their house about smells, you know, maybe don't cook fish if that's bothering people. If there are certain smells that make them feel uncomfortable, they should talk to everybody in their house to say, please don't cook those things right now, or please don't have them around me right now. So recognizing that they can modify the smells in their house because they may be more sensitive than normal. So that's nausea. What can we do to help them decrease fatigue that's associated with chemotherapy? The most evidence-supported plan to minimize chemo fatigue is exercise, which seems backwards, but it's true. So the thing, though, you have to tell people who, who want to prevent fatigue with exercise, particularly if they are exercisers, is that they may need to markedly decrease the amount of exercise that they're doing. And that's perfectly fine and good and appropriate. But they shouldn't just sit on the couch all the time, or they shouldn't just take to their bed. So they should be shooting for the same general amount of tiredness that they would get when they weren't getting chemo. But if it only takes a walk around the block to get that, or even a walk to the mailbox to get that, that's perfectly fine. But they should be doing some amount of exercise on a regular basis if they can. The one thing, though, that is sometimes helpful to tell people is that the week after their chemo infusion, if they're getting chemo by infusion, Mm -hmm. may be different than the following week and the week after that. So many people get chemo every three weeks if they're getting infusions. The first week, they might be particularly tired. Maybe they feel a little bit better the next week and a little bit better the third week before they have their infusion again. So I find it helpful to tell people that they can make a plan for different parts of the cycle. Like week one, I just walk to the mailbox and back and I don't have any visitors. Week two, maybe I walk around the block and I'll have a couple events in a week if I feel like it. Week three, maybe I'm doing a half a mile walking and I can go out. So it seems obvious, but you have to tell people that each week is going to be different or when they feel particularly tired in week one, they may go to this place in their mind of, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I can't do the things that I normally do. Whereas if you tell them this is expected and they can make a plan around it, sometimes that gives them a more of a feeling of control. Okay. The third thing that we want to help them prevent is neuropathy. Now we can't 100% prevent neuropathy, but there are some things that we can do that may make a difference. And so there are different kinds of neuropathy. There's neuropathy of the hands and feet, which is not uncommon post certain kinds of chemotherapy. And for that, some people use uh, mitts, cold mitts for the hands and for the feet. And you can buy them online, or you can just use gloves and socks and put freezer packs in them while you're getting the infusion. The idea is that it causes a little bit of vasoconstriction in those areas while you're getting the infusion and you have the highest levels in your blood of the chemotherapy, the chance that people are going to have metastasis in their fingers or toes is pretty slim for most cancers. And so it's okay to have a slightly decreased amount of chemo going to the fingers and toes. And so some people feel like this may help prevent neuropathy. It's safe It's a little bit of a hassle, but I always offer it to people if they want to do this. I certainly don't tell them they have to do it, but some people want to feel like they're doing something to help prevent neuropathy, and so this is a something that they can do. The same concept applies to neuropathy of the mouth. So after chemotherapy, people, or during chemotherapy even, people's taste can get messed up where things don't taste like they're supposed to, or everything tastes gross, or maybe mouthfeel is messed up, so food just feels funny in your mouth, that's a neuropathy. And so eating ice chips during the time that you're getting the infusion of chemotherapy is something that people can do to try to prevent that. 
Um, related a little bit is some people use a cold cap to try to prevent hair loss. It doesn't work wonderfully. So, you know, I support people if they want to do it, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to people because number one, it doesn't always work. And it, and even if it decreases the hair loss, if it ends up being patchy, that's not necessarily better. There are some people who are concerned that it may increase the risk of brain mets, but there's not clear um, evidence that that's true. But I just don't find it particularly helpful. So I generally don't uh, recommend that to patients. Although, as I said, I'll support them if they want to do it. The fourth thing that we want to help them with is the stress and anxiety of going through chemo. Now, obviously, we can't relieve the stress of going through chemo completely, but we certainly can give them some things to do to help manage the stress. A lot of people don't come with their own huge intrinsic toolbox of stress management tools. And so it's really helpful for us to give them some things that they can start to do to help manage this challenging time. And I would say that the two big categories of things are mind-body techniques and ways that they can manage their thoughts. Those are the two big topics that we can bring up with people. Now, at this time, when someone has been diagnosed with cancer and they're just about to start chemo, is probably not the time that they're going to start some huge new mind-body practice. They're not going to take a mindfulness-based stress reduction course at this time, probably. But here's what they can do. They can download an app on their phone. So common ones uh, are Headspace or Calm. Budify is one. Insight Timer is another. Some of those are free and some have a small cost associated with them, but they really are terrific. And so I will often have people download them in the office because if you tell them you should go do that and they say, oh yeah, I'll do that, then the chance that they're going to do that is definitely lower than if I say, why don't you download it right now? Let's get you signed in right now. So that if it occurs to them later to try it out, it's just super easy. And people can use these guided imageries at all different times. They can use them to help with sleep. They can use them if they know they have to go for chemo tomorrow and they're nervous. They can use them every day after dinner. Just trying to find a way to integrate these mind-body techniques into their life is a good habit to start and no better time to start than when you're about to go through cancer treatment. So that's the simplest way to add mind-body tools into your life is just to get an app and then give them a homework assignment about when they're going to do it. Of course, you first ask them, you know, do you want to do it right before sleep? Do you want to do it after dinner? Do you want to just do it Saturday morning? What do you think would work for you? And then I actually write on a prescription pad, whatever they told me that we agreed on they're going to do, I write that down as their instruction. And then the other thing you can talk to patients about are their thoughts. The mind and body are connected. so. It is better for our body not to think the whole time that we're there receiving chemotherapy, this is poison, this is poison, this is poison. And people sometimes do that to themselves. They'll give themselves these terrible negative messages about whatever it is that's happening to them. Radiation is burning me, it's burning me, it's burning me. And I would just recommend that if we're going to pick a thought to have while we're going through an intense therapy like chemotherapy or radiation, let's pick a positive one. So let's not say to ourselves, this is poison. Let's say instead that this is a powerful healing medicine. And if we're going to get radiation, let's not say we're being burned. Let's say this is the sun warming me. This is healing energy warming me and healing me. 
I think it's important to teach people this so they can check in with themselves about their messages that they are sending to their own mind and body and make sure that they have a positive spin and not a negative spin. And then one other thing that can be a helpful addition to somebody going through chemotherapy or about to go through chemotherapy is acupuncture. So acupuncture can be helpful before chemo, during chemo, after chemo, for a bunch of different reasons. It can help manage nausea, and there's pretty good published evidence for that. It can help with sleep. It can help manage anxiety and perceived stress. And acupuncture can help potentially prevent but also treat neuropathy, peripheral neuropathy. So acupuncture is a good all-around thing for people to start before they start chemotherapy and then to continue during the chemotherapy and ideally um, some amount of time afterwards as well to manage any residual symptoms. It takes a little while often for people to get back to how they were feeling before they started chemotherapy. Okay, so the things to think about when people are about to go through chemotherapy are to help them manage their nausea by teaching about anticipatory nausea, teaching about the P6 point, talking to them about acupuncture, talking to them about smells in the house. We're going to help them manage fatigue with exercise. We're going to help them prevent neuropathy by talking about cold mitts and socks and also ice chips to prevent the neuropathy in the mouth. We're going to talk to them about stress management, specifically around downloading an app and using some mind-body techniques and making sure that their thoughts are positive. And we're going to teach them about acupuncture and all the ways that they can um, use acupuncture to help prevent and treat their symptoms from chemo. Okay, so your homework for the week is think about what your patients have to go through and create, even if it's just in your head, a prevention plan for them. So I just did one for you if you have patients who sometimes go through chemotherapy, but what else do they go through? Do they have to do they have to start a rheumatologic medication? Do they have to go through surgical procedures and recovery? So think about what kind of counseling you can give to patients and how you might beef it up to help them prepare for whatever is one of the biggest things that you ask your patients to go through. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So be sure to take care of yourself as well as you take care of your patients. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Integrative Palliative Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Palliative Medicine. If you liked what you heard, please give us a like, follow us, tell your colleagues, and join our community at www.tiipm.org. See you next week.